as Christians get that value, as we get that money, that is a measurement of our life's work. Yeah. And if we are glorifying God with our life, our finances, especially in American culture, is one of the biggest ways by which we bring God glory. Because like the finances are a measurement of our life's work and all work should be done to the glory of God. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us on the Financial Pathway Podcast with Nate Skelly, where we discuss important financial questions and give you practical advice to guide you on your financial journey. If you enjoy the podcast, consider subscribing and leaving us a review. You can also follow the Financial Pathway page on Facebook for more helpful financial tips and videos. All right. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us again on the Financial Pathway podcast. I am excited to introduce our guest to you today, my friend Ben Shetler. Ben, thanks for uh, thanks for sitting down with me and recording this episode. I'm super pumped. I'm honored to be on the show and looking forward to the topic we're going to discuss. Thanks, yes, mate. absolutely. Um, so, Ben, you and I, our paths crossed a few years ago, but then when I moved back down here, well, I was back. When I moved down here to Pensacola, uh, we got connected again through our church and through our small group. So it's been really cool just over the last uh, year or two to uh, to get to know get to know you and uh, to develop a friendship. Why don't you uh, start by telling us a little bit about what you do, the Center for Truth and Love, and uh, introduce your, your ministry to, to everybody if they're not aware. Well, I'm just honored that um, you would claim me as a friend. So uh, this is, <laughs> and, and do so publicly in a format that- I know, be, it's risky. That may be I'm willing to take that risk. In the future. Um, I do uh, founded and, and run an organization called the Center for Truth in Love. And a lot of what we do is said right in the name. Our passion is to equip believers to lovingly and kindly speak the truth. And some people may say, well, wh why would you need an organization like that? Right now, our culture's definition of love requires people to be silent about difficult topics. You can't speak if you believe this particular biblical truth. And so a lot of Christians feel like loving equals silence or loving equals acceptance. That is just a bad definition of love. On the other hand, we all know the Christian that speak, and when they speak, you wish they would be silent. <laughs> and um, God yeah. has not called us to silence, nor has he called us to unkindness. And so God has called us to speak the truth in love. And as we see... Um, these, these truly spiritual attacks, the Bible says we wrestle against, not against flesh and blood. Um, these spiritual attacks against the truth of Scripture, we need faithful Christians willing to stand and be loving to speak the truth about them. And that's why I love what, what you do, Nate. I, I think um, that the Bible does speak a lot about finances, and we need to know what is true biblically about that. And then to raise our children. Uh, to speak lovingly about what the Bible has to say about finances. So that's a little bit about what we do. Oh, and I don't know if you want specifics of what we do. We have a television show. Yeah, I go and speak places. Mm -hmm. um, so we do conferences all over the country. And uh, then we create a lot of digital content. So uh, if you're a pastor or small groups leader, uh, you go to the centerfortruthandlove.org. There's some great small group resources yep. there, some really unique and cool things that that uh, we've worked very hard on, I think would be helpful to you. So that's a lot of, so our philosophy at the beginning there and then <laughs> what specifically we do. And the small group resources, we've gotten a little bit of a taste for it because we've used it at Olive. Oh yeah. Is that ready to go for other yeah, churches? I believe, um, yeah, oh yes. Yeah, actually you can pre-order right now. 
Yeah. Um, no, they're awesome. Great, they're, yeah, well, it's really unique in that um, it's it's video-based, but it's also teaching-based. So you get, a, like, the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. There's a great booklet that goes... There's good stuff. There. It really lends itself to a lot of discussion within yes. the group and getting people involved, which I, I think is so helpful. I mean, it's there's a place for one person getting up and teaching and, and giving a lecture... But I think especially within a small group setting, it's really important to get people engaged and involved in the process. And that's that's what it's been. Um, so that's awesome. So um, like you said, Ben, there's there's a lot of overlap between what you're doing. And, and by the way, actually, let me back up for a second, because I think sometimes people um, I think I made this mistake in, initially with what you do and putting it into the box of apologetics. What you do, you're an apologist and you do apologetics. But really what you do is more than that. Can you say a word about that? Yeah, so we have three pillars. We say apologetics, biblical worldview, and what we call cultural engagement, which is probably more of a fancy word for just evangelism. Mm-hmm. So apologetics, the way that the the theological discipline is probably understood in the church, if you even know what it is, and a lot of people don't, right. Right. is is formal proofs for the existence of God or why the Bible is reliable or did Jesus rise from the dead, these type of things, and there's formal proofs for those. We can actually research and have evidence that underpins all of these these Christian truths. And so that's kind of what apologetics has been has become. But really, if you look at 1 Peter 3.15, apologetics is about, or, or the word, comes from always being ready to give an answer. Mm-hmm. And um, so to do that, then you have to know what the Bible says. You have to know the evidences, but then you also have to know how to speak. And so we we focus on all three. You got to know the what, and you got to know the how, and uh, you got to know how they fit together. So it's not just apologetics. And then we also feel like biblical worldview is all of life. So we want to right. offer not so much as an organization, but as an organization to to think through as our culture changes. How does the Bible speak to finances? How does the Bible speak to health and exercise? How does the mm-hmm. Bible speak to um, a variety of topics? Um, because the Bible says, whether well, therefore you eat, drink, or whatsoever you do, everything is being done to the glory of God. So how can we look at all of life through the lens of Scripture and do what God has called us to do? So yeah, so we're, we're providing information, but then also providing people... Uh, those gospel conversations, we, we like to create resources that people learn in conversations so they can so they can speak in conversations. So. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And what you're doing is so needed. And you just outlined better than I could have the, the importance of why we're having this discussion today, because it, the Venn diagram of what you do with apologetics and worldview and cultural engagement. And then over here, I'm dealing with finances and investing and your, and your personal financial situation. And maybe at the outset, it seems like, well, there's not a lot of overlap there. That seems like two separate things. But actually, from a Christian standpoint, there's a huge amount of overlap. I mean, the Bible has so much to say on the topic of finances. And so what I want us to talk about today, Ben, is is more of how our American culture, our modern day 21st century culture that we're living in, how that does or doesn't reflect, especially within American Christianity, within the American church, how that does or doesn't reflect what the Bible actually has to teach about money. Now, I'll throw this out. We were just talking before we started recording. I watched a documentary on Netflix called American Gospel. Several people that I know had recommended it, so I finally got around to watching it. It is excellent, and I think you'd really enjoy it. So um, I'll just throw that out there if, if you're looking for something good to watch, uh, American Gospel on Netflix. And it really speaks to a lot of what we're going to discuss on, on the podcast today. So Ben, uh, I, we would agree the Bible is our should be our primary influence when it comes to whether we eat, we drink, whatever we do. 
Um, but prime, but but specifically in the area of money, how do you think the American church is doing? American Christianity as a whole, how are we doing in that area? Do we have an A? Would you give us an F? <laughs> so, well, okay, so I'm sorry, like we agree. So semantics are important to me, yes. and I think we agree. Yes. But we may not agree on the semantics. So I would not say the Bible is our primary influence. And the reason for that is a biblical worldview does not consider the Bible to be a book that speaks into life. Mm-hmm. The Bible is the book that reveals life. And there's a difference. I think a lot of people look at the Bible and they say, oh, this needs to influence my finances. This needs to influence the way I, I raise my children. And no, the Bible is foundational. And there's a, it's hmm. not just you know this little resource on the shelf. It is foundational. And so, I, but I think you believe that. I right, think that's right. what you mean by that's primary. Good. But I think that's important because I know that you use the Bible as your primary source. Uh, but but it's not just a source. The Bible is primary and that's important. And I would say that's a lot of what we miss in American culture. That the Bible is, is more of a reference book in culture to... Uh, finances. And then I would say in American culture, we do miss what money is. I think people get a little confused. Money is just an idea. Um, Like I have paper in my pocket. Some of it is lint. (laughs) Other of it, I can take down to the grocery store down the road and buy some groceries to eat. And it's both paper. So what's the difference between the lint in my pocket and the, the bills that I have in my pocket? And it's my perception of those. So money is just an idea, and I think that that is important. And what is money an idea of? It is. It, I do think this is so foundational. I'm sorry if I'm going too deep. No, but, but money is an idea. It's really kind of a measurement of the effort or work that society has said your work is valued at X amount. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, you go out and, and flip burgers, you're, you know, you're valued at eight, ten bucks an hour. Um, but you go out as an attorney and defend someone who their life is on the line. That's a lot more. You're a doctor and you're cutting someone open. That that value is a lot more because there's a lot more work that has to go into learning those things to get it. Sure. And so their hourly wages are going to be significantly higher. And and so what we're doing is we're saying the, the what you're contributing to society is valued on the, on this Amount And what I think American culture needs to understand is that as Christians get that value, as we get that money, that is a measurement of our life's work. Yeah. And if we are glorifying God with our life, our finances, especially in American culture, is one of the biggest ways by which we bring God glory. Because like the finances are a measurement of our life's work and all work should be done to the glory of God. So all of a sudden, that means what sits in my bank account it is very important that I honor God with that. And that honoring comes with feeding my family. That honoring comes, comes with clothing my body. God does not want you to be naked. Um, so as I honor God with all of these finances, how do I do that? And, and I think sometimes we get the confusion that the only way I can honor God with my money is to give, give it to a church or to some type of charitable organization. Mm-hmm. No, I honor God in every, you know, with that Netflix subscription that I bought. Right. Um, that that should be in honoring to God. Every purchase that I make sh- is me, my life's work, bringing glory to God. So I've got to be very careful about how I spend that. Um, and I'm sorry if I'm going too long. There. No, no, that's a great answer. 
And I'm glad you, you, you bring that out because words do matter and the semantics do matter. So I'm glad you caught me on that because it is, it, it, it is supposed to be foundational. And I also like the point you make about what money really is. It's a representation in some ways of our, our time and our work and our effort. And so what I like to do sometimes in my own life is you think about the things that you purchase or where you allocate your money and think of it in terms of how many hours you worked for that thing. So, you know, for instance, yeah, if you make $20 an hour and you want to buy an iPhone for $1,000, that's 50 hours of your work. Is that a fair trade? Is that a fair exchange? Um, I mean, maybe in some cases it is. Maybe in other times it really isn't. And so when we think of money, not just in terms of, you know, what, the, the paper that's in our wallet or the digital amount that's in our in our bank account, but actually what it took for us to earn that money and what it really is is a, is a product of, I think it changes our, our view. That is excellent financial advice to think of your purchases in the terms of the hours it takes. That's really good. Right. It's kept me from making some purchases <laughs> that I wanted to make. And I was like, oh man. I naturally do that, but I, but I, yeah, I, I don't think a lot of people do. And I think that's really good advice. Sometimes I'll look at it like, okay, would I really want to work 30 more hours just for this one thing? That's good. I mean, sometimes the answer is, yeah, absolutely. Um, but other times the answer is no, no, definitely not. <laughs> well, Ben, so I mean, Jesus, we, we look at, okay, how much does the Bible talk about money? It comes up quite a lot, whether it's actual money, currency, possessions. I mean, it, remember in, in, in you know, 2,000, 3,000 years ago, the monetary system was a lot different. So when we talk about money, it's a little bit more broadly described right. in the Bible because a lot of times wealth was defined by your cattle or, yeah. or by your land. but. In general, the Bible speaks about money and possessions quite a lot, and Jesus himself used it very often in his parables as object lessons. And so when you look at the Gospels, Jesus mentions money and possessions more than he mentions topics like prayer, faith, heaven, hell. Not because those are not because money itself as a physical temporal thing is more important than those, but because money connects to our heart. I mean, Jesus taught that. Wherever your treasure is, there's 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 going to be your heart also. Um, so the, the question is, the Bible teaches about money quite often. It comes up as a subject quite often. But from my experience, we don't hear a lot of teaching. I don't hear a lot of messages specifically on money. What, what are your thoughts on that? Why do you think that is? Do you think that finances are a <laughs> difficult topic for us to discuss in a church setting. Yeah, I don't think you want to hear my answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I really do. The more controversial, the better. Let's make some people upset. Um, yeah, uh, why isn't it talked about in a church setting? Well, I would say one would be because we don't understand that money is an idea. We just think that money is this, this amount in our bank account where it really reflects our life's work. Mm -hmm. And when you think of money that way, we really are talking about money when we talk about your job, when we talk about, because you're, the, the conclusion from your job is what you're getting. And so the way you're serving the Lord at your job and producing that finances, I, I think most people are very disconnected from that idea. They just think money is some number in a bank account or bills that they have in their hand or a plastic card. Um, I, I think, yeah, I, I've got to be careful. <laughs> I think that money is often avo avoided because pastors need money to do the work of the ministry. Mm -hmm. However, 
I think that they don't see the connection sometimes. And so it sounds like if I've got to ask for money in a church, it sounds like I'm asking for me or right. for my ministry. Right. So if I'm a pastor listening to this, I need to make sure, because I run a nonprofit and we ask for money. And we yeah. don't really ask what we do is we show people needs and inspire them. Like, I don't ever sit down with somebody and go, hey, I need X amount of dollars or we need you to give. Um, but we do try to inspire people to be a part of the vision and the vision does have financial connections to it. And I think a lot of pastors are like, oh, I hate asking for money. Well, you shouldn't ask for money. What you should ask for is for people to see the vision that God has called you to do and understand that there are financial attachments to that vision. Right. And so I think it's a matter of perspective. And so yep. it is, you need to, in, in some ways, you ask for money. Our pastor every Sunday asks people to give, but he shows them why. And he says, look, here's what we're doing over here to, to feed homeless people. Here's what we're doing to clothe homeless people. Here's some missionaries that are out. Here's some gospel work that we're doing in the community. And then he says, we're going to take an offering. And the connection there is I'm not asking you to give me your money. What I'm asking you to do is take your life's work, mm -hmm. which is represented in this paper, <laughs> yep. um, to put that work towards this ministry cause. And I think if we have the right perspective of that, that can really motivate people to give instead of asking or begging to give. We say, I want you to be a part of kingdom work. And then incentivizing people, there is, and you talked about American gospel, there is this idea that if I give to God, that my life will be better yeah. in, in other ways. And there's some biblical truth behind that, but I think there's a twisting of, of it. Yes, but, absolutely. But, but God does call, God does promise a a goodness of life when when we trust him with our finances that that is a real thing right we tend to think that the it's going to be material blessings i give and then i'm going to get a nicer car i'm going to get a nicer house right. i'm going to get more money in my bank account but sometimes it's not a, a physical manifestation of a blessing but it is always to our benefit in some way yeah and i, I think well, I think in how do you define benefit in that? In that is the so. Thing. For instance, yeah. like in I was so it's it's fresh on my mind since I just watched the documentary. But um, one of the things they deal with is the prosperity gospel and the infiltration within American society of this idea that you give to God and you sow a seed and you reap right. a a physical blessing, a, a monetary blessing. That's not true. That's not what the Bible teaches well, I, specifically. I think that view comes from like a stock market view. Like basically you're buying God stock and it will <laughs> right. increase tenfold. Like you put a hundred dollars in, in God stock and it's going to come back a thousand. Right. And that's the, and that's not biblical at all. But what do you get from giving? Well, I know a lot of people that give to our organization and I, I'm really humbled by this. But it moves me to know that the work we do every year, and we have seen God do some incredible things, some people whose lives have been transformed, mm -hmm. and it moves me. But at the end of the year, we all get together, and we have a banquet, and we celebrate. And it's so awesome to see those people go, thank, like I have, I have donors all the time, thank me. Mm -hmm. And they're giving money to, I'm like, no, no, thank you. And they're like, no, no, I got to be a part of something. Yeah, and you allowed for that to happen, and it wasn't me, obviously, but but my giving allowed for, and and I think when you see giving that way, that you get to be a part of kingdom work. Now, here's where it gets troubling, is if a church is really focused on, well, we just want to have newer and nicer, 
and a pastor really does just want a nicer car, or he did, but it really is selfish. Well, then I see why that pastor doesn't want to ask for money because it truly is selfish. Sure, right. And so we've got to be. So that's the other part is there has to be a good stewardship of the money that's that's given as well. But once you're stewarding well, then you're just asking people to be a part of the kingdom of God when you ask to give. And so when you see it that way, it's like, hey, guess what? You get to be a part of. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that is awesome to me. That's an awesome answer. I don't know why you were so hesitant to want to give, give us that answer, but I think that's exactly the right answer. And it, it, it does belie your motivation in asking because, right, if, you, if your motivation for asking people to give money is a selfish, like, so we can have nicer, newer things, so I can have a bigger salary, well, then, yeah, you should feel bad about asking people for money. Yeah. But if it is truly to see God's work go forward, then you should feel compelled to. And the other thing, too, is like we talked about before with money – since money is an extension of our time and our energy, we view it in the same way. Just like if somebody said, hey, we need some people to volunteer in some way. A lot of times we're not as, we don't feel as bad about doing that. If I said, hey, I need somebody to take two hours on their Saturday to help us out with this food drive. We don't feel so bad asking no. people to volunteer because it's like, of course, you're, you're giving of yourself to help others. Well, we're doing the same thing with our money, but for some reason we kind of put this in this other box sometimes and treat it differently than other resources that we have, like our time or our energy. Well, um, you I, you said about being controversial. Here's what I would say: if you're a pastor that is bothered for asking money, this is this this will step on a few toes, and I don't mean to be okay, that way. Okay. I want to say the truth <laughs> in love, but you have to ask yourself: whose kingdom are you building? If yeah. you're bothered by going like, hey, we need you to give. There's a need here. You've got to go, whose kingdom am I building? And then I guess the second thing is, how well am I stewarding the gifts of God's people? Yeah. Because if I am stewarding them well, and I am building God's kingdom, not my own, what an opportunity. Yes, absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head. Well, let me let me ask you this then, Ben. Let's kind of shift to a different topic here. Um, along the same vein, but would you say that it's wrong for a Christian to pursue wealth. Because I, I think of passages like First Timothy in chapter 6, and, and Paul warns, he says, those that will be rich, they, they fall into a temptation and a snare. Uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. So as a Christian, if their goal is, hey, I want to be wealthy and I want to make a lot of money, is that wrong? Uh, what, what would you say to that? Um. Wanting to make a lot of money as my life's goal can be very dangerous. It can be like saying my life's goal is to have 100,000 followers on Twitter. Uh, Jesus says the reason why you're not getting your prayer requests answered is because you're asking to consume it upon your own lust. Um, so that is wrong to pursue your own kingdom, to pursue your own. But, but this is why every day I, I, I pray God, your kingdom come, your will be done. And then I pray that, that it is the conclusion of that Lord's Prayer is that yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, and yours is the glory. And I think we have, there are conservative Christians that see the danger of money and have passed on in a good sense. But I also think there's a mistake, a ditch on the other side where people who are gifted to make money are almost looked at like, you kind of look down your nose at them and like, mm -hmm. oh, well, they're all about money. And maybe God gave them a gift 
to bring things to the world and maybe God could use what they're they're growing for his glory. And so the key is the way you approach your job and your life's efforts. I know a lot of wealthy people that are going to make way more money than they will ever need in their lifetime. And so would it be wrong for them to just go, well, I'm in my mid-30s. I literally do not need any more money than I have right now. I'm just going to retire because the love of money is the root of all evil. I would say that would be wrong for them to do. What they need to do is continue to provide. A lot of these wealthy people are providing jobs for many other people. And not only that, they have this huge capacity to bless the work of the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And so it is all about your focus. And then I also think it's a mistake. I know you lead in investing. I think it is a mistake to not work wisely. Some people only like work and save. And that's kind of like the Dave Ramsey thing, like work and save. And I like that. Not, to, not I mentioned Dave Ramsey all the time to people. Like, you know, I, I read, like, but I think sometimes you can also, what is wise is to maybe leverage the bank's money to do some working for you, to work wisely mm-hmm. in a way that you could really benefit. And God has, God has really spoken to me about this uh, because I used to own a business and uh, we were able to get some capital. And I've been very, very conservative to the point of not really investing in it. I feel like that that talent, there were the guy, the, the parable of the talents, where I'm like, wait a second, am I just putting this in the ground? Because the, God's going to give, call me to be responsible. And so I need to get that money working for me. And, and that is wisdom. That's not being greedy. That's going like, no, God gave me some capital. It's not like I'm some wealthy, but I have a responsibility to God to get that money working. And so I think that people need to have, if they're not able to manage that themselves, to get a financial advisor, to get some people to come alongside them and go, how can I get this money working for me beyond just me going to a job every day? And that's using wisdom. Uh, so I'm sorry if I'm digressing, but. No, that's a, I think that's very well said. And, and it's true. I think we, as Christians, sometimes we can start to lean towards the verses that warn about the temptation of money and the destruction that comes along when you make money your idol, when you make money your God, and when you live for the love of money. But the Bible also does speak to the wisdom of saving and investing and preparing for the future. And so it's, it's, not, it's, it's not a one side or the other. It's avoiding two extremes either way. Um, you mentioned retirement. Retirement, as we understand it in America today. I Biblical, is that saving a, and investing. Did I say retirement? Though? Well, uh, you, you oh. did it. You did. Uh, okay, I might but, have. Uh, but is is that? Do you think that's a biblical idea? Are oh, you mentioned a guy uh, retiring in his thirties? Like if he if he made. Oh yeah, no, I did. Yeah, but right, but as retirement as we understand it today, do, do you think that's a biblical idea? I know there's some Christians that push back on that idea of like retirement and you know that that's that's a wrong thing to to prepare for retirement or to save for retirement or to go into retirement. What are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I, I think that that's wrong. I don't think it's wrong to save, invest, and create a place where you can be more free to, to, to have more freedom to choose what you want to do in the world that God made. Mm-hmm. So I think that's wise. But to just go like, okay, so here, this is my life's goal is I'm going to work for these 30 years, and I'm going to save, and then I'm going to you know, buy a nice house and then just kind of do what I want. That to me is not the correct location to lay up your treasures. 
Yeah. So, so I guess it depends what you mean. Do, do I think people should be saving for the future and for creating freedom for themselves? Absolutely. Do I think that they should be saving to have this, you know, play? that's what heaven is. God said, lay over for yourselves treasures in heaven. And I, I don't think that means that you don't invest. I think what that means is the goal isn't to turn 60 and then like, well, I'm just going to go hang out with my grandkids and go golfing every day and that's my life now. Yeah. I think you've wasted your the end parts of your life. Yeah. When maybe God has caused you, called you to save to go on some missions trips and to encourage some missionaries. Um, maybe God has called you to save so you can now tutor someone in a local public school. Like I think there's so many yeah. ways that... That, and, and you say, well, that's retirement. Well, if that's how you define retirement, then wonderful. <laughs> yeah, then I'm all for it. Like, right. yeah, I, well, then I'd say retire at 30 if you can. Um, you know, in that sense, that we're still doing kingdom work. Um, but I just think a view of retirement that I'm just going to sit down in the latter parts of my life are going to be pleasure for myself is not biblical. But saving for the future to create financial independence Retire as soon as you can, if that's your definition. Definitely retire, quote, in your 30s. Yeah, we're in total agreement here because there, I see two extremes. I see people that, that call themselves Christians, and that's they're all about the retirement in the American sense of, I'm going to spend, every, I'm going to save every dollar I can. I'm going to invest it, but it's all for me. It's all so right. I can use it later to have the boat, to have the nice house, to have the nice vacation. It's all about me here in this life right now. And I think that's a wrong thing to do. But then there's other Christians that are like, no, 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 that's selfish. That's, you know, that's living for temporal riches. Every dollar that comes in their hand, boom, it's going out somewhere. And they never prepare for the future. They never save. They never think of And I think that's unwise too. So I don't, I I think you don't want to be either. And I think you answered that very well. There's, there is a middle road there. Um, So that's, that's really good. Let's let's shift then. Let's talk about giving here for a second as we kind of um, come to kind of a, a wrap up here of our conversation. There's a lot of things that we had listed down of, as far as topics and questions we could cover, and I knew we weren't going to have enough time I, for it. I'm them. sorry. I, I probably went too long on my rabbit trails. I apologize. No. I enjoyed the conversation. I would much rather have more for us to talk about, and we can't get to it, and we can, we can continue the conversation at a later cool. date. But um, let's talk about giving here as we, we wrap up this episode. I've seen several studies in, in recent years that show that giving in America is on the decline, both in terms of percentage of people's income and then also the number of households that don't give anything to any mm. charitable organization has risen dramatically. Mm. So here we are. We're the richest nation in the history of the world. I mean, we have so much in, the, in terms of resources, but yet our giving is declining why do you think that is? What's causing us to be less and less generous? Oh, I guess I could get really controversial here, right? This All right, is, let's get controversial yeah. again. Um, I say that and then I try to like... Then try to the walk most, it back. Like, the most politically uh, correct way as possible. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think when people's heart... When, when you say follow your heart, your heart doesn't, uh, an unregenerate heart never wants to be generous with anything, money or anything. So you're telling us um, our Disney movies have been lying to us all these years? Yes. They're, they're di- those are diabolical themes. I mean, they're, I mean, no, they're not gratuitous sex and, and lust, thankfully, but it's lust of the heart. It's going follow your heart. Do whatever you want, whatever you desire. And, and in no sense is that, that biblical. 
And so when people are told to follow your heart, you go, you know what? My heart's kind of telling me I don't really want to give. Or if I do give, it's a very decreased incremental amount. So I haven't seen the research that you're referring to. I would love to. I'd love for mm-hmm. you to send that to me. Um, but if if it is, so I don't really know if it is or isn't. So I'm yeah. just going on on your your work. That's that's my only assume research. that I'm correct at all times. That's I, a good way to go. That's kind of, yeah. That's <laughs> that's why we tune in the podcast. Uh, I I think it should just be called "Assume Natives Correct." That's the title for it. I'll get working podcast. on that. Yeah. Uh, no, but but um, when when it comes to uh, a lack of generosity, if we assume that that was true then I would say some of those follow your heart uh, living for yourself is going to diminish your generosity. Mm-hmm. But let's take the, I think there's a lot of angles. I, I think it's unwise to say, here's the problem. I think we do this sure. with kids leaving the church all the time. Oh, I'm going to tell you the problem why kids are, well, the, the, it's nuanced. There's a lot of issues. Sure. But I am aware, I had a friend write an article, he has not published it. Uh, he was a part of a mega church in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Now there are so many mega churches in DFW. I think I can talk freely about this and not really put a finger on one. <laughs> uh, this particular church, one year, released their financials. They only did it one year because there was a massive uproar in the church when they did so. Um, their budget was significant. Um, less than one percent of the budget went to any charitable deeds or evangelism. Wow. Ninety-nine percent of their budget went to paying people, paying buildings, doing programs that were all self-centered. People want to be inspired to give to something that meets a need. And if our giving is all about us, I, I, I remember a question I was at at a church one time in a, in a small group setting and the question was, what does our giving get us? As we just like, what does it get us? And the the point was to get people to go and like, oh well, look at the building, look at this, and I'm like, that is not what giving is all. Yeah. Giving is not right. about me. Right. And so I do think that that particular not not think I know that particular church needs to completely reassess its finances because it has been one, well, excuse me, ninety nine percent self serving. And there is you do have to pay salaries. You do have to do. I'm not against that. But at some point, the giving should be going to changing people's hearts and lives. And if it's not, I'm not going to be inspired to give. I think most people, when you lay out an inspirational path where they can make a difference in a life, will want to give if their heart is in the right place. So we got to make sure we're in the right place spiritually. But then we've got to inspire people to see, here's how this need connects to changing the world. And not so much even changing the world. Well, millennials love, I'm sorry, millennials love to change the world. I'm a millennial. Yeah, let's change the world. Well, God hasn't called me to change the world, but he has called me to change individual lives. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess in some senses maybe change the world. But the point is I want to be faithful to people God has put in front of me. And, uh, man, when you start inspiring people, I think that people would really want to give. Yeah. Uh, when I think of the Center for Truth and Love, I never want to ask people to give to me. I, there's a need that people need to have the truth spoken in a loving way. And so would you be a part of this cause? Right. And I, I think where you're seeing that happen, you're seeing giving increase. So sure, right. So that pockets, could be yeah. part of it, and I don't want to pick because I haven't looked at that research. Yeah. So I would love. I'm all about getting to know the why behind things, but yeah. that could be one idea. Yeah. Um, because my friend didn't want to give at all, and I do know that that people give to our organization because they're like, well, over here there's not a need, but here there is a need, 
And sometimes I even wonder about that. I'm like, well, maybe you just don't see the need over here. I'm glad that God's calling you to give here. But we really have to see that need. And I do wonder if that's being put in front. And then I would say either people aren't giving either one because they don't see a need or two, their heart is not in the right place. And so if your heart's in the right place and they can see the need, I think people will give. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and, and I like the point you made about the uh, get, you tr- trying to change the world. It happens with changing individual lives. Sometimes yeah. we have this very high, lofty sort of idea of changing the world. Well, it starts with very simple one-on-one interactions. I mean, that's how it begins. And so sometimes we just have this lofty goal and we're looking right over the heads of people that need our help in the here and now. I mean, that are yeah. right within our reach. Um, and that statement that you made about what what is our giving getting us? Man, that just <laughs> that just struck me in such a profound way because maybe not everybody would say that who's sitting in the pews of churches. I think a lot of people are thinking that though. What is my giving getting me? And that is a complete oxymoron. It's giving. You're not giving so you can get the purpose of the donations you make to your church or to a charitable organization or to the center of truth and love for, for truth and love or any other place is not so that you can receive. It's not so you can have some kind of better life. It's to see the gospel go forward. It's to see God's work accomplished in this world. Um, Man, that's that that's awesome. Well, Ben, I mean, I've really enjoyed this conversation. You've given some phenomenal answers. I mean that. I mean, it's 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 been great. Um, <laughs> Man, and and stepped on some toes to <laughs> in the process. Um, so hopefully, I'll get some 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 feedback from this. Some really negative feedback, and I would love that. Yeah, just just send it over my way. I'll forward I, it you know, to you. Well, a lot of what we do involves being on the street with skeptics and things, so I, I'm used to getting that. But but anytime you, you do say something that may be hard to hear, I, I really hope that you say it with love. And I hope that yes. anyone that listened to anything that I was saying, I, I hope that you know my heart, is that I want to see us as Christian brothers and sisters living out what God has called us to do. And there is such a joy in giving, but there's also a joy in having the capacity to give. And that requires yeah. increasing your finances sometimes. And if that, if your heart is just like, well, I just want to be wealthier, you know, the stuff Nathan gives you can help you to do that. It actually can. But how great would it be if there were people that would say, all right, I want to give and I'd like to see my, my income grow so I can give more, so I can make more of a difference in the world that God made. Oh, what a, what, I mean, I'm telling you, you're going to be so motivated to be disciplined financially when your income starts benefiting other people. It's going to change the way you, yeah. and that's where there is a prosperity in the gospel, in that sense, <laughs> that when it no longer is about me, man, it's amazing how your, fo- your discipline increases because you're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for others. Anyway, sir. Yes, absolutely. Well, I really appreciate you joining us. I, I really appreciate what you're doing with, uh, with the Center for Truth and Love. I feel like every time I say that, I have to stop and, and specifically say name, the sorry. Center for Truth and Love. I don't want to like mash them all together. <laughs> um, and just your insight of having a biblical worldview when it comes to finances. I think it's been very helpful having you on the podcast, and, and I'm, I'm sure our listeners have enjoyed it. So before we wrap this up, tell our listeners again where they can connect with you, learn more about your ministry, and, and what you do. So uh, my name is Ben Shetler, so you can find me on Facebook or the Center for Truth and Love on Facebook. Uh, our website, thecenterfortruthandlove.org, um, at 6 p.m. 
on uh, Friday nights Eastern, you can go to Dish, look up CTN, and watch our television show. Yeah, yeah. Um, or uh, or Direct TV. Uh, either one of those. That's that information is also on our website. The, those channels. And then, if you would like something free, a uh, a fourteen day devotional on how to speak the truth in love. This will not necessarily. Uh, directly help with your finances, but I think knowing how to speak the truth in love is, is helpful to that. Uh, you could text the, the number 33777 and text the word prepared to that number, and uh, you get a free resource, um, uh, a daily devotional for 14 days on how to speak the truth in love. That's just something free that I'd love to give you uh, if that could be a benefit or help to you. Awesome. That's awesome. And I hope you will take advantage of those resources. Well, thanks again, everybody, for tuning into this episode. We'll see you on the next episode of the Financial Pathway Podcast. Have a great day.